poor Mr. Alex. <laughs> well, good morning. Praise God for the safety of travel. Glad to be back with you. I was with you last week, but I was watching live stream, so I was with you in spirit. And I have to say this, Dal, I'm sorry. I was watching last week, and Dal said that uh, I saw you in Sunday school, that he's everywhere. No, I'm not omnipresent. There's a camera there in the fellowship hall I was looking at to see everybody. I couldn't communicate with you, but I, I was watching. A uh, little different because where I was at was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, six hours ahead. But we had a great time. Of course, our title today is Lasting Legacy of Father Day's Message. Today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And to follow up what I said last month with Mother's Day, I want to reiterate, a person's legacy is not determined by who the person is. It's determined by what is done for Christ here on this earth. Therefore, anyone can leave a lasting legacy. Now that being said, men, what kind of difference do you make in your workplace, your home, your friends, family. What would people say? Do you have a positive influence or a bad influence? And if you were to die today, what would people say about you tomorrow? Men, you'd be reminded that no one bears more responsibility for the spiritual trajectory of the household than the husband the spiritual leader of the home, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 31. Your effectiveness as a leader of the church begins with how you lead at home. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. You should never take your leadership lightly or flippantly. And may I say too often, because I am a man, we attempt to make for ourselves a name outside the home rather than taking care of what's inside the home, which is the most important. Uh, I remind as I prepare for this message that my three daughters, when it's time for me to go, and I'm long gone from this place, they won't necessarily remember what dad got them on a particular birthday or how much money dad had, or all these things that we do, what they will remember, did dad love me? And did dad love the Lord? The biggest concern I have is I want them to see the same person on Sunday morning behind the pulpit as they see at home. There is an article in Christianity Today called The Best Gift for Fathers on Father's Day, and it says this, perhaps... The best way for fathers to lead their homes spiritually is to embrace the work of the home rather than build an identity outside of it, end of quote. I didn't pull any stats up, but you can go home if you like and pull up Google and look at the stats of a fatherless home and what that does to children. We are in epidemic proportions. We have a lot of absentee fathers, and it spills over to the church. And please do not forget that you do have access to the Father through Jesus the Son who desires to lead you, direct you, and guide you as you raise the next generation for Him. You know, it's been said that the greatest natural resource of any nation is His children. 
And as I look across the landscape, the United States of America, the country which I dearly love, we've done a very bad job of taking care of our natural resource, especially as Christians. And a lot of topics that have happened in the recent days about where women should serve in the church is becoming more and more of an issue. Why? Because men are absent from the church. They're not stepping up. And men, I'm, I'm picking on the men today because it's Father's Day. And by the way, I am a man, if you haven't figured that out. I don't care what they say out there. If you have any time, no, I would ask you to carve out time to come up here for VBS. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to lead a prayer. Just come love on those kids. Let those kids see what it means to be a godly man. A godly, uh, positive influence on their lives. And then, later in the year when blast kicks up, come and spend time with those kids. Just hang out with them. Get to know them and talk to them. Can you believe we're going to have 81 kids here tomorrow? 81. What an awesome privilege and opportunity God has given us to share the good news with the next generation. And as we look at our text, we're reminded that Joshua did have direction and guidance because he was God's appointed leader. After the death of Moses, he was appointed to lead the children of Israel over the Jordan River and into the promised land. And our text this morning speaks of his leadership. Now, there's lots of verses in Joshua, and brother, I didn't want to come down to that three verses. There's a lot of things to be said about his leadership, but I want to specifically focus in on verse 9. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Look back at verse 7. Now the Lord said or spoke to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you. And the New Living Translation puts it, Make you a great leader in the sight or the eyes of all Israel. Now this is the first time God speaks to Joshua since his charge back in chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. For example, in Joshua 1, chapter 7, God speaking to Joshua, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. That phrase, strong, be strong and very courageous, happens throughout chapter 1. It repeats itself. And I want to remind you that it always needs to be strong and courageous leaders. But today, especially in today's culture, we need men who are going to be strong and courageous and stand upon the Word of God regardless of what other people say and stand firm in their convictions. Verse 7, why is he exalting Joshua? Look back at verse 7. That they may know that just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. These words are a fulfillment that we see back in chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. And do you know as Christians, we have that same promise. How many people in the room, I can't see you online because you're watching, I can't see you. But how many people, raise your hands, are followers of Christ. You are a born-again believer, a Christian. Raise your hands. 
You have the promise that God will never leave you or forsake you. Even when I'm faithless and I go out my own way, God is still faithful. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. And God's presence was important. It was significant. It was vital to Joshua. It reassured him. It encouraged him. And it validated his leadership over Israel. Just like God was with Moses, God is going to be with Joshua. And by the way, men, if you try to lead without God in your life, you're going to fail. You will fail. Now, the initial confirmation of his leadership would be a great miracle, but Joshua was not directly involved in that miracle. He simply gave the instructions to the leaders and the people what they were to do. And here's my point. Joshua heard from God. He didn't alter it. He didn't edit it. He turned around and told people, this is what God says. That's what we need in our men across this great land. Men who will stand upon the word of God. Don't edit it down. Don't try to coat it, sugarcoat it down. But tell the truth and speak it in love. Even though he didn't have a direct involvement in that miracle, nonetheless, this would make him great in the eyes of the Israelites. A biblical scholar notes that it was God's initiative and God's work. He says, quote, Joshua's claim to power does not rest on anything he has accomplished. It rests on what God has accomplished at the Jordan and on the obedience, and on the obedience of Joshua to the words and example of Moses. Moses was faithful to God's word. Now Moses didn't mess up here and there. But Moses was faithful. Joshua was too. If you want to be an effective leader, a successful leader, then listen to God and be faithful to carry his word out. Anything that I have success in is not because of Tim's energy or, or talent or any of that matter. It's all because of God. It's like preaching. What sets preaching apart from a motivational speech is preaching is preaching the word of God correctly and accurately with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I can speak to you till I'm blue in the face, but I can't change your heart. Only God can do that. And I believe that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword that will pierce and get right to the heart. Now, the purpose of God exalting Joshua was not for Joshua's own sake. It was for the people of Israel to know that God was with him. Look back in verse 7. This is the thrust of the word translated that or so that. And, of course, it's reinforced by the word to know. They would know that God was with Joshua in a special way. We hear phrases a lot in churches today, well, that's anointed preacher of God. What do we mean by that? God's presence is with the speaker. It's not necessarily the speaker's ability, but you could just feel the Holy Spirit just come through and fill the place up. God exalts them for that purpose, so they know that he is the leader, God's appointed leader. Know what God tells them in verse 8. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to or reach the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. 
So the command is for the priest to go into the water and stand still in the water. Jordan River is at flood stage at this time. Very deep, rushing water. And the command is for them to go and to stand still. Now this anticipates what would happen when they would do this. Joshua chapter 3 verse 13. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry their ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Now Joshua, at this point, God is telling tell the priests this. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. But he tells them. Look at verse 9. After he receives those instructions... Here's verse 9, Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear or listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is my point, men. That's his leadership in a nutshell. He was faithful and obedient to the word of God. Not someone's opinion, not the latest trend, but to God's word. He gathers the people together to hear it. He tells them that there would be a specific way in which they would know that God was in their midst, that he would drive out, God would drive out the nations. You see that in verse 10. Now, the only reason why Israel was successful in crossing the Jordan, they listened to the words of God and they were obedient to it, carried it out. Now, I'm sure human beings being human beings, there was probably someone sitting around, critically standing back, thinking there's got to be a better way to cross the river. However, the only right way was to do it God's way. Can I, can I repeat that again? The only right, right way is God's way. This is where we have it backwards a lot of times. We come up with all these great ideas. And then we run out of ideas and we've done everything that we can do. Well, the least we can do is pray. No, no, no. The most important thing you can do is pray. VBS has been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. We need to continue to pray for it. Don't stop. That's the most important thing that you can do. And for the children of Israel, it was only after they followed the Ark of the Covenant, which back in the Old Testament was an example of God's presence, after they followed that, they experienced the miracle, and they crossed over. Does it remind you of anything else helping? I mean, years before all this, before the 40 years of the wilderness and all that happened, what did God do when they came out of Egypt? He parted the Red Sea, and they crossed on dry ground. Now he's doing the same thing in the Jordan. Like Joshua, men, we need to lead our families and our homes, our jobs and personal lives by taking daily faithful steps that will lead us to leaving a legacy. Moreover, this charge is not limited to men, but to everyone who follows Christ to leave a lasting biblical legacy with a generation that is behind you. For example, teenagers in the room, Younger children, people younger than you are looking up to you. What do they see? What do they hear you say? What example are you setting? Single adults, 
college, same thing. You have people looking up to you, watching you, especially if they know you're a follower of Christ. And here's the whole point. It doesn't matter who you are. Someone is watching you, looking up to you, watching your life, how you handle crisis, how you handle the daily stress. May each of us leave a lasting legacy for the generations behind us to follow. And the only legacy that will last is a godly legacy. That is what we need to do. So let's go back to our original question. What kind of difference are you making? And since it's Father's Day, men, what kind of difference are you making in your home? I'm going to illustrate this by going further on with the story of Joshua, but I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm going to tell you what happens. Well, they cross Jordan, and Joshua commands or appoints one man from each of the tribes to pick up a stone as they cross Jordan. And then in Joshua chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest who carried the ark of the covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. So as each man appointed to each of the tribes went and picked up the stone for that tribe, Joshua turned around, took those 12 stones, and placed them where the priest stood with the Ark of the Covenant. Why did he do that? Go a little further down in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. When your children ask their fathers, ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall form, them, form your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It was a memorial. So they can look back and remind themselves what God has done. So when the children grew up, hey, Dad, what's the deal with these stones? Well, let me tell you the story. Now, could it be that instead of proclaiming God's truth and pointing to stones, per se, of remembrance, we're too busy pointing to athletics, academics, entertainment. Now, Leaving a legacy means leaving something of worth, of value. Now, while athletics, academics, entertainment can be enjoyable, even noble at times, we must never forget to leave our children with the most important realities of this life and the life to come. To put it more bluntly, it's not Rashonda's job to teach all your teenagers about God. It's your job at the home, men. She is to be reinforcing what's being taught at the home. Our schools are in disarray. Why? Because now the school has to teach morals and ethics to our children. The public school system was never set up for that. They need to leave that in a home so they come to school. It's a controlled environment where they can learn. And then the school backs up what's being taught at home. We have it completely backwards. We need to leave behind stones, memorials of God's goodness. So when the next generation comes up and asks us, 
What are these? We can impart the eternal truth of the Scriptures. We can tell them about who God is, how good He is, and what He's done in our lives. So in turn, they can turn around and pass that on to the next generation. Fathers, men, what is it that you're passing on to your family? On this Father's Day, I ask you that question. And yes, this question has been haunting me for the last two weeks. What type of legacy am I leaving behind? Men, we have forsaken our God-given role. It's not one of inferiority that we're inferior to the women. No, it's complementary. Men bring something to relationship, so do women. It's man and Women join in the covenant of marriage that are to raise kids. That's, that's God's design. It's not a question of men can do this or women can. No, it's all about complementary roles that God has given us all. And where are the men in church? Where are they at? You know, when I go and I teach and I, I, I talk to these kids and their parents or whoever it is and Roshana does the same thing. People think, well, that makes sense. That's their job. That's what people say. But nothing carries more weight than an ordinary member. I shouldn't say ordinary member. Just a person, the membership going up to that family or to that child. Especially when there's no positive male influence in that life. They're looking for it. They're hungry for it. And we, we just sang a song about the good, good father. And that's a very hard song for some people to grasp because the only father they knew beat him and abused them. Not a very good example. But I'll encourage the men here today. We have a very great opportunity to make a difference in the next generations and generations to come. God has continued to bless our children in youth ministry. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why some of these kids don't come on Wednesdays. I mean, come on Sundays from Wednesday night. But I would encourage you, show up on a Wednesday night. Get with Shonda and see what's going on. Instead of saying, I want them here on Sunday, be willing to cross over and say, hey, what's going on over here? God is doing amazing things. Yes, we want them to come on Sunday, but we're reaching them where they're at. That's the most important thing. But in summary, before we get to any of this, let me ask you a question. Before you can even talk about leaving a legacy, do you know Christ? Because the biggest thing that gets in our way is pride, especially for men. Are you willing to step aside and say, okay, God, I've tried this, I've messed up, you take control. Give your life to Christ, becoming his disciple, admitting that you're a sinner, following in obedience and baptism, dying to self and raising up and the resurrection with Christ. Have you done that? If you haven't, I invite you to do that today. Maybe you have done that. What's coming in the way? What's stopping you to live up to God's calling in your life? To be the man that God wants you to be. Look, God's not looking for the bright and the best. Look at me for Pete's sake. I'm not the best person in the world, but God chooses those who are faithful. He chooses People that the world will go, hey, ain't nothing about him, but he uses some of the most ordinary people to accomplish the most extraordinary things.
you think about it. One day people might look back and say, who ever thought that God would use Forestburg Baptist Church and men and women because they said, you know what, we're going to be faithful. We're not quite sure how it's going, but we're going to be faithful that it started right here. It can happen. I firmly believe it can happen. But regardless of what God chooses to do and not do, we have to make our commitment now to be faithful. To be faithful men of God who will lead courageously and stand upon the unchangeable word of God. To be that solid witness that is standing upon the solid rock, which is Christ himself, proclaiming his truth in the world that has twisted and turned everything upside down. People are hungry for it. They want to hear it. And that mission, as I told the kids, God has given all of us to proclaim the good news. God's kingdom is at hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity we could come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and lift high your praises. Father, I especially pray now for my fellow brothers, all the men within the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you would wrap your arms of peace and love around them, that, Father, they would listen to the call and be the men that you want them, you desire them to be to step up and to lead, not only at work, not only in the church, but more importantly, in the home. Father, your spirit is moving, and he's speaking to all of our hearts. May we be obedient to his call. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please?